Shop Maniac. You're listening to another episode of the Shop Talk Show podcast, all about front end web design and development. I'm Dave in the shed with a cool new camera. Rupert with me is Chris in the booth, back in the booth choir. Hey, Chris, how are you? I'm doing good. Yeah, you uh, you got me on the the the, the new camera, the ZR1, right? Sony ZR1, ZV1, ZV1. Sorry, yeah, I picked it up because uh, there was some compelling features of it that I thought was cool, like the the one cable USB connection to the computer one that USB. I'll tell you, it's a it, it can get choppy for me though. Or like I'm on a Zoom call and they're like, it looks like. Did you use the out of the box cable? I was gonna meant to ask. I you. am using the out of the box cable, but I'm thinking about changing it up. I don't know. Um, What's the, the limiting I'm, factors? Is USB because it, it has old school USB? What do you call it? USB A or whatever? I wonder if that's just a little slow and you could get a faster cable. But I also send mine through a hub. It's a good hub, but still a is hub. It three is it USB three hub? Yeah, it's a USB three it. hub. It's a Thunderbolt okay. hub, actually. Okay. Well, that should work. I don't know. I just I'm worried about the choppiness. Like, is it the camera? Is it the cable? Is it the hub? It's one of those like hard to diagnose problems. I like the camera though. My favorite thing about it is how the zoom is really fast and good on it. So you can't yeah. screw up. You know, you back up two feet in your chair, it'll resume on that and it looks good. It's got good. Yeah, it's just yeah. a good good piece of equipment. Focus. So thanks for that. It looks like crap. I don't have a good thing in here in the booth. So you have to look at grainy well, me. That's fine. Booth, but. but you know, I, I, it's fun to like experiment with this stuff. This, I think it's oh, like yeah. shooting 4k. So that could be part of it too, is it's just doing a lot. But uh, uh, That's true. I wonder yeah. if you could notch it down to like very good, but not 4k, you know? Yeah. I don't know. Um, to me, the, the whole point is zoom, basically, and a and a and an odd screencast here and there, where the end result is just 1080p. Mm-hmm. Um, all right, I have some questions for you because because it came yeah. up this morning because I was working on it. I actually listened to a syntax where they did the they did a like a bike shedding one where they did the, all the all the things that developers like to fight about, you know, Vim or Ooh, index, nice. indented syndexes or. Yeah, uh, and I, we should is- actually issue a correction because Wes said it's not the image previews that are causing his build times to be exploded. He actually just uses like a serverless function, sort of like what these oh. DPR dedicated persistent rendering or whatever demand, de- whatever DPR means. <laughs> so they like on demand rendering. He kind of does that sort of thing for his images. Anyway, I just want to. Oh, so they're not. That, they don't so. even run during the build. They just run no, later. no. They okay. they're just kind of like they fire up. They load up and then that just remains in cache while like the basically the serverless function is running and then it'll spin yeah, down. Gonna, and it's uh, we'll get we have some stuff to say about to follow up about that. So we'll do that later in the show. If you have no idea what Dave's talking about, don't worry. We'll get to that. It has to do with social media previews, which I think is a freaking fascinating topic. Uh, I, sorry. Yeah. yeah. Oh, you, you're going to finish your syntax thing. But the for me, it's like it's. I was like, oh, they're nice to have, but now I'm just like, they're in everything. And that, I think you've like convinced me of that. Like they are so fundamental to how people it's the front door of your website now, you know? Those well, and it's true if it's an app or not, or if it's social media or not, or if it's a game or if it's a conference, that's the thing is that I remember we used to talk about application pro, not prototypes. What's the cool word for it that somebody invented? That is like what kind of it's not just websites and apps. There's like twelve different ones of different style tiles. No uh, platforms. No 
like like prototypes. Oh, holotypes. 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 What that a weird word. Jason Sorry. Miller's word. Yeah. I liked it though because it stopped. It's it's sort of painting the web. They're like there is different types of websites, but there's more than two. Certainly, there's probably more than twelve. Also, but it just brought a little nuance to a conversation that could use it. I think. Anyway, mm-hmm. all those holotypes. It doesn't matter. They can all use a social preview card for a URL. Anyway, again, I have. There is some interesting developments to that to talk about. But in that syntax thing, one of their bike shedding things was um, was I think it was named named exports or not named exports, and then they were talking about like barrel files. You know, like do you use index.js files in a folder, or do you just have a file called like tabs.js, or do you have tabs.js and an index.js file? <laughs> You know, because then, then the import. Yeah, gets and how many times have you like gone into the index file and it just says import tabs.js or whatever? Well, our whole code base so. does that, and I actually like it. You like uh, it? Uh, huh? It's a lot of mess. It feels like it feels like boilerplate stuff, but it makes the imports elsewhere so cleaner. It doesn't impede my ability to find the right file in VS Code really. So it, I think it's a kind of a worth worthwhile trade off to me. I know it's controversial or whatever, but I like clean imports. But it got me thinking about imports, and then they got to talking about ordered imports. Because any given JavaScript file the in this day of ES modules, you know, can have a bunch of those at the top, you know? I, mm-hmm. I'd say... And, you know, I have files that often have zero or one, but a lot that have like ten imports mm-hmm. at the top mm-hmm. of them. Mm-hmm. Not terribly rare. Doesn't bother me. But it's one of those things where, like, everything else we impose so much structure around. We impose structure on tabs versus spaces and how far the indent is and where we put white space and what types of quotes we use and blah, blah, blah. Semicolons. Oh, man. My one Exactly. The linter on all my projects. I am a semicolon person, but the linter on my project just rips them out. And I'm like, Mm. it's okay. It's okay. Okay. Fine. Fine. We'll get through it, but uh, it's... Yeah, you better I, be right, you stupid linter. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Okay, and, and and I think tools these days like Prettier have changed the game a whole bunch there. That's the that's the big industry standard tool that, that came along. If you can set them up, I mean... Sure, sure. Do you up, do it? That's one question for you. Are you like a Prettier liker, or would you prefer that your projects just didn't have any crap like that so it would be less BS? I, I like it because I can't... Uh, stand it when my coworkers don't put a space at, in between like the function and the semicolon or like in the, or the squiggly, opening the, squiggly brace. the curly. Yeah, yeah. Especially in CSS or something like that, you know, like, like I, that's, there's just certain things where I'm just like, I don't care. And, but I, I will actually, I would rather just mandate something. I think you kind of said that just like, let's yeah, just you have can't something. Just have a rule because and then you're slapping people's wrists for really dumb reasons. And there's commit noise too, which thing. I hate to see yeah. a, to see a red and a green line because a space change before a brace. It's like, get out of here. I hate right. that stuff. Like, nah, I mean, that's a strong word, but it's like, just use a code formatting tool and the problems go away. You can even do it in a pre-commit hook. So if yeah. you if you can't be troubled to configure it in your app, and I think probably the you know the quote unquote right answer is to do both, is to have it on save so you benefit from looking at nice code all the time. But no matter what anybody's build environment is like, it runs it before they come in, and then it's guaranteed to be clean. Um, I like that. So you're you're pro prettier generally, you know. pro prettier style in ESLint. 
sort of, you know, prettiers. If forget, you had your you know, way, you'd throw them all on there. I'm using all of them kind of in succession. And then on my view projects, Vitor is kind of the default, which nice. is kind of yeah. a, a meta framework for all those things. Um, but it, it's like, it's view specific rules basically for Prettier right. and ESLint. Um, Does it force you to do JavaScript at the top of your view files? No, no. Actually, I think it doesn't. JavaScript it forces the, the template. Yeah, yeah. But Ooh. then, uh, but one thing it's really picky on, it's like, Oh no, V4 goes first and then like attributes, oh, you know, like attribute orders and for stuff. You? Yeah, it will. So yeah. that's, I think like the, the hierarchy is anything that can be auto formatted, you know, it, like let's do that. But then where it's like, where the, the linter, cause I had one on style lint and it was like, I was doing like ampersand dot foobar for like a, a modifier class you know like a yeah. nested modifier cool. and it was like oh unexpected selector blah 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 you know something and i just was like i'm disabling it because that's what the css needs to be it needs to be like a compound selector i know what i'm doing yeah fu style lint. like right. i'm disabling that rule and so and what i like about that is all that disabling goes at the top so you're kind of like but but that was one of those rules they couldn't auto format to. So uh, I, I, that's when yeah. it gets okay. into the like unauto formatable nuance. I think just let developers decide. Yeah, turn that rule off. Yeah, don't give me the squiggles because I if you can't fix it, I don't want to be bothered to. Yeah, yeah, I get, I get, and I I just like it. It feels very modern and satisfying to me to watch my code kind of auto format itself Shape. into to good ways. Yeah, I like can it. I, I can give just you, be sloppy. I can paste in its uh, formats. Yeah. Can I give you my hot drama here? Yeah, please. You know how most of those linters formatters will wrap at 80 characters? Yeah, I knew, that's configurable, but yeah, tell me. 80's wrong. 80's what do you so like? Wrong. Don't say 120, you're fired. 120. Chris, oh, God. Dude, we, are, we use computers. You can scroll left and right on a computer. It's fine. But you're probably not like it's like 80 is such an outdated number. I'll, I'll meet you in the middle at a hundred, but like 80 is too aggressive and 120 is probably just fine. I have so. this 13 incher though. I got the new M1 to get, make M1. sure that our dev environment works on it and stuff. The 13 inch screen, it, it, it can't play with your 120 games, but you got 20 hours of battery life to scroll left and right. I mean, <laughs> Yeah, fair enough. <laughs> so, I, but I put on line wrapping anyway, and what really bugs me is that when the your screen is too narrow, but line wrapping is on two, you're like your HTML and st- things like a paragraph in it, it'll have like one word and then a line break because prettier is like yeah. enforcing the 80 or 120 or whatever it is. Mm-hmm. And then line wrap is also on. It just yeah, leads yeah, to yeah. very awkward. And I go in there and like try to delete the thing and then it auto formats wrong. I'm like, what is going on? And I'm like, oh, yeah, you got to stretch out your window a little bit here, Chris bring it up yeah well and you know none of those tools handle svg at all like <sighs> like the idea yeah, of a, alone, an array PHP. of 900 numbers like they they never anticipated that would be a, a possibility so right yeah and then do you t- like who anyway so then i go work on a wordpress site and i don't i don't know that there's prettier for php i mean correct me if i'm wrong but is it is it too third party like do i trust it sometimes you know i've looked at one-off php formatters because i'm like i don't care if it's actually prettier i just want something to do it for me because i'm so used to it 
that it's, it yeah. sucks to not have when I go back to a WordPress site. And then, but e- e- even then, Prettier does have HTML, but a lot of times I turn it off because I just don't, there's something that's hard to trust about like Whitespace does kind of matter in HTML and it has to make hard choices about what to do and it doesn't have all the information it needs to do it. And so I just, I don't know. Anyway, this is not where I was going with all this. One of them is that JavaScript is, and even JSX, I I like, I almost prefer writing HTML and JSX because then it does, the auto formatting does make sense. Because mm-hmm. once in a while in JSX, you'll see things that are probably annoying to some people, like a curly brace with one space in it. And the idea is that, like, this allows us to auto-format the code but maintain that space character. I'm sure you're, you're not making a good face about this. but You'll have to, yeah. Like, if you have a line break, like a, a closing div and then another closing div, it won't let those sit side by side in JSX. It'll push that one down onto the next line because it really wants to auto-format the HTML for me. But what if you need a space between those things? There is no white space in it when it compiles. So if you need a space between two closing divs, you have to put curly bracket, quote, space, Space, quote, curly bracket. Woof. Woof. Yeah. (laughs) I'm sorry. (laughs) It's just, I don't know how Vue does it, but it's not like that, apparently. Wow. I just... That's one of those things where it's like, clearly you're doing a workaround for the framework, you know, so it's fine. But there's, sure squi- there, fine. even in JSX and stuff, you, you get squigglies all over. You, you can get squigglies for, you know, writing some JavaScript in there that's just wrong or something. Like an unused variable, it'll bitch at you for, you know, like you're not using yeah. that. That's ESLinty stuff helping you out. That's great. Right, right. You know, I even have, I have the new Axe one installed. So if you put like a click handler on a div, God forbid, you know, please don't do that a lot. But sometimes, you know, the world is weird and it'll like call you out for that. It'll be like, hey, what are you doing? All kinds of stuff. That's pretty cool. cool. It's good. I like that. No, Here's another one though. This is the, where I was trying to build up to is that all those import statements at the top, the 10 of them or whatever, you can have an ESLint rule that yells at you for how you, how you format them and order them, which is a little much. I feel like, cause it's like, who cares? You know, right. I've, I, I, I've gone from, okay, here's our little established order. You know, you put the stuff from NPM at the top and then, and then you do other components and your styles at the bottom and you have little rules, but nobody freaking follows the rules, you know, myself included sometimes. And it makes noise in the commit. So all this beauty that you've bought through prettier and auto formatting and it, it, it's all out the window with your imports at the top. It feels like this mm-hmm. missing piece of the puzzle so you could put the rules in ESLint, but then like what can format them well it does have a fix rule there you can tell ESLint not only to bitch at you but to fix your crap too i don't think people use it as much as they use something like prettier and prettier doesn't play this game so you can't tell prettier to do it but you can tell ESLint to do it with like a command line thing so you could put it in your commit hook or something like that but there's a vs code plugin that does a pretty good job of this so it brings prettier like auto formatting to your import orders and it's really nice you just hit save and it just goes and they all just go into the right order that satisfies eslint's rule too so it's a pretty happy combo it's just that the vs code plugin is a little bit more opinionated than eslint is and it doesn't Oof, okay. have the tools to run across the whole code base like ESLint does. So ah, you're in yeah, this position yeah, yeah. if you decide to adopt it, that there's going to be commit noise for the next six months of people saving files. And 
Yeah, well, and on that, man, you kind of, because you're probably in in a whatever perfect situation, you're somebody's just able to be like, everyone, hold hold off on commits. I'm gonna mess up the repo today. I'm just power through, could put on some music, do some grunt work. But in the real world, you have branches off of branches kind of happening, and so you know that's gonna create all this merge conflict later when all that stuff tries to merge in. So it's just kind of unfortunate. So it is. Um, anyway, I just wanted to see where you landed on the like auto formatting stuff and where you, where love, you draw the line. I would love a solution. You know, what gets weird like, um, like there's some things where you import, I guess it's weird with like require still around, but like you'd import and then like you'd chain together kind of how to use it. Like child, process spawn or something like that or you know um but i guess with modules it kind of it's maybe cooler because it doesn't matter is am i right in that like is execution order like ultra important can i put react dom over react in my import as far as i know it's a hundred percent irrelevant the order of your imports. see that's kind of cool yeah I think that might change with like top level awaits and stuff. You can't put an import after your first line of code uh, that has actual right. logic in it. You know? Yeah, yeah. But I do kind of like the the willy nilly. Another way to handle those imports is just to go willy nilly, just to be like, I don't care. I'm just going to do nothing. Import whatever you want at the top. Who cares? Just nobody touch it. Nobody, nobody like go in and format somebody else's imports because of how you like it. That's just unnecessary noise. So I feel like it's one or the other, like have a tool, do it or just shut up. about it. <laughs> I think there's, yeah. I mean, I don't too. Like there's, if you're thinking of it as like an index of what this file uses, you know, like maybe it makes sense to put it at the top. I don't know. Um, but you'd never do that in like C you never like you import stuff and stuff in C all the time. You'd never be like, import you know alphabet one right or alpha beta you know you wouldn't do that you just import what you need so I, maybe that's just a no no man's land kind of yeah i don't know unregulated territory i mean there's so many more opinions like do you like how your viewer beater is, organ- is organizing your basically attributes in the template you can have you can do it that way you can have your yeah all well, attributes be ordered if you want alphabetically. Blah, blah, blah. It's it's really wild what it gets upset about, you know. And then, but but what what's nice in view specifically is you have like so many different style of attributes. You have attributes. You have v dash attributes. You have colon attributes. You have um, at symbol attributes. You have pound attributes. Like. And it kind of handles it all pretty well. Like I'm pretty well pleased. The only thing that doesn't get me is like when it drops like a closing bracket around a word and they're like, you know, it doesn't like mm. put the text in the middle. That drives me a little wild. I'll <laughs> manually fix that sometimes, but, but yeah, like sometimes, I don't know. Closing brackets seem to confuse the hell out of uh, these auto formatters quite a bit. So This episode of Shop Talk Show is brought to you in part by CMS Hub by HubSpot. Maybe you know HubSpot as a CRM. It is that. It has a bunch of different hubs, you know, hence HubSpot. (laughs) 
Uh, there's like a marketing hub, meaning lead generation and automated marketing type stuff. A sales hub, which is the CRM, which can does stuff like schedules meetings with your leads and provides quotes and stuff. They have other hubs, but CMS hub is what we're talking about. It's you know a content management software that's super flexible. You can build whatever you want on it. In fact, you know it's like any other CMS. You work locally. Uh, using whatever tools you want and then deploy to HubSpot. So it's your host and it's like a framework for content. What's cool is that the CMS part of it is tied to the CRM parts of it, meaning that you can build a website that, you know, people log into and use in that way. But then you are also customizing it because you know who they are and the fact that they're a lead and you know some information about them. You can customize the website around that. Uh, that's pretty darn cool. Like, this is an interesting example. I think they have like a real estate site where you do normally you think of a CRM as people in the CRM, but in this case, there's properties are the things in the CRM. So like one, two, three Elm street or whatever. That way the website powered by CMS hub is grabbing that CRM data and making like a website of real estate listings, you know, but the real estate listings are in the CRM. So they're like, you're like gathering leads on it. Like, Julie wants to go see the property at 123 Elm Street. You know that. I think that's uh, just a really cool and interesting idea. It's loaded with other built-in features. Like this is pretty advanced style hosting. They have serverless functions, for example, which is a pretty modern, cool idea that I use all the time. Uh, There's membership management in there. Again, these are websites you log into, you know, not just like brochure sites or whatever. There's search built in, for example. You don't have to reach for some third-party search. They've got search handled for you with it. Uh, That's all I'll tell you for now. That's CMS Hub by HubSpot. Thanks for the support. Uh, We got one from Ludwig Gramberg here asking about, I don't know, old school and new school, I guess. There's so much going on in the front-end development world, you know, new frameworks, new approaches, new hosts, you know, all that kind of stuff. It makes me wonder, is delivering an HTML page by the server a dead end? Will will we eventually have single-page apps all around? I like the concept of just delivering the HTML in its quasi-final state to the end user in a few milliseconds and then just be done with it and use a little JavaScript when necessary. It seems to me a lot of this stuff done in the front-end days is just because of the language used. Uh, whatever. He's just, you know what ludwig what do you think ludwig if you if you're accomplishing everything you need to do with your website by delivering some static html to the browser you're doing it right so don't worry about it if it feels a little fist wavy though ludwig so i'd I'd like hold off on that like if you're getting done what you need to get done you do it you need to get done but it doesn't mean that everybody has to get off your lawn you know yeah i would say yeah um you know, I think there's a a bit of a swing pendulum swing away from SPAs. If I'm, in my opinion, like the the like the ability to there, there's a lot in server side stuff that is very awesome. Like like pages are rendered. You don't have to download extra files to render the page. It's it's awesome. And a lot of these server or single page app frameworks are kind of bending over backwards to get some kind of server rendering shoehorned into their client side framework. Right. Uh, because they realize there's a performance problem. So, so now there's, it's a, like this 
just jumble of complexity trying to get these frameworks to work. Um, so I think there's a pendulum swing back. I, we've talked about, but we can't it's like show it because we've talked about uh, astro.build, you know, or 110, yeah. you can build a site or um, astro.build um, looks really cool because you it's HTML first. You write your HTML and then like it determines where you needed big fancy javascript so but so does you know like that's how next works out of the box and that's how next works out of the box and that's how gatsby works out of the box the pendulum has already swung the end result of working in these fancy frame i haven't seen a new fancy framework that's client side only in a hot while redwood maybe <laughs> so but I oh think, yeah, yeah that's that that does assume client side doesn't it and they're like yeah right. we'll do server side later yeah yeah, but, that's you know, true. I, but then there's which, even frameworks like Alpine that were like, let's sprinkle in the JavaScript on top of already foundational HTML, which does feel aligned with server-side rendering, mm-hmm. sort of. And, yeah, yeah. I, I just think the pendulum is kind of swung back. But and, and you may even like what's old is new again. You know, Jamstack's real hot right now. But like, eventually, somebody's going to be like, you know what? We could just use a database. And that's what we'll do, you know, like we'll have a mm-hmm. database and, and, you know, it, maybe that's the future. I just saw the other day, SQLJS, somebody took SQLite, yeah. compiled it into WebAssembly, and now it's Sick, on really just, it's a file that sits on your server, like yeah. a DB file that sits on your server that you can read and write to from WebAssembly, like, dude. It's cool. I just, that's like next level. And, and there's big limit don't just be like that's it i'm gonna build my whole next business on that because like sqlite has like big issues yeah (laughs) like you find out real quick like the light part is is very restrictive in sqlite but but it's pretty cool if i'm just spinning up a side project and i want you to like save little documents like flat files or like little whatever metadata documents a bookmarking website or something like that But you need to do it with a relative database not just like kv yeah yeah. So like, you know, I could do a, like a user table and, but that would be kind of dangerous, but anyway, <laughs> but I, that's actually freaks me out, but. Well, it depends on what the, it depends on what the use case is. I mean, it could, you could be designing this thing to be installed on one computer that runs on Electron that they use on a ship in Antarctica that doesn't even mm-hmm. have internet connection or something. Then that's, is that the right answer? Yes, it is. Well, maybe. And so I just, the pendulum is kind of maybe like swinging back. That's all I want to say. I think it's like, I, I, you know, now it's time though, to be like, what did we learn from the SPA again? And, you know, like what, and, and I think like, there's a lot of cool things. Templating in JavaScript is kind of pretty cool. You know, it could be faster, but it's kind of cool and useful. So yeah, thanks ES modules and template literals and all the cool stuff in JavaScript that makes components awesome. But maybe we'll do web components. Hey, maybe. Yeah, that's there's always stuff to look into. I always just find a question weird. That's like I'm doing things in a way that feels old to me, but I'm happy. My clients are happy. I'm productive. You know, and then you're like, but am I doing it all wrong? It's like, no, you're not. <laughs> so. You're good. I think I worry about this too. Sometimes it's just like, am I keeping up with the times? Would am I employable still? Stuff like that. It gets into all those questions. But perhaps this is related. So let's just do the same one from this anonymous fellow. I was working at an agency of ten, 
uh, he's the only developer. This is like a new fascination to me of companies where you, 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 you're surprised to find out what job there's only one of. Yeah. A WordPress shop where there's one WordPress developer. Yeah. Like what are the rest of you all doing? I'm sure there's lots of work to be done, but one out of 10. Hmm. Strange. Um, yeah, there was a, it was a pretty big company. I was surprised that had one front end developer and eight people on content creation. And I was like, hmm. Interesting. Not that it's don't a throw, it's not don't the throw wrong Nellify under the bus. They just were on last week, Chris. <laughs> no, I don't. I don't think anybody. Had, do they have a full time content person? They, they, they definitely don't have eight. Um, it seems like a lot of people there are good devs and do some content. But anyway, so one out of ten de- developer they use ACF a bunch, whatever. Given a little background on it, and it feels a little stuck. I find myself thinking. How can this be done with WordPress whenever a new challenge pops up? This feels so empowering, disempowering. When I know it, you know what's possible with JavaScript frameworks today, WordPress is awesome for brochure sites, but I feel it might not be the right tool for every job, and I don't want to turn down exciting projects or features because it can't be done in WordPress. Uh, okay. I, you know That's why it's so related to the other one, you know? To some degree, I like it when people are really hardcore specialists in one kind of thing and that your mind churns and how can you solve it with this tool that you're already really good at using that tool. So even if you force that tool to do something that, you know, is a little bendy for it, perhaps you're still being efficient with your time and you're sharpening your tool for future things and stuff. It doesn't bother me when people are experts deep experts in one particular tool. I don't want that. I don't want you to say, don't learn anything else because yes, you absolutely should learn other things. But I do kind of like when people double down on one particular tool and get really good at it, especially in an agency setting where you're trying to extract cash. You know, you're trying to build sites fast and well. I just talked with an agency just specifically about this. They built a very fancy internal design system, not just componentry, but like had deployment and it had its own caching layer and it just had everything and they named it. There must be hundreds of people at this company. They now have, they've converted every single production site they've ever done to it. Huge monumental task. And the whole point is now, and they only build a certain kind of site. They only do kind of like lead generation-y kind of sites for products. Super niche. So they can just crank these out because, and then they learn from it because they do like SEO work too. They can be like, well, and like lead conversion work, oh, this form does better when it's like this, or we remove this one field or whatever. That's a component. They can change the component in the system and roll out it across all sites when they've proved that it works better. I was like, that's great. And the thing is, there's just so doubled down on that tool. Like for them Mm -hmm. then to change, even this anonymous person's like, I want to learn Gatsby, I think. I'm sold on the promise of speed and the GraphQL layer and stuff. This company, they're not switching to Gatsby, you know? They're like too deep into their thing that they've built that they can't then change. I think there is a thing of being too deep. Um, But I, I also, yeah, I think like what you're saying, like how can this be done with WordPress? I think like, that's a great question to ask. I mean, there, there is times, you know, we, we throw around the tool, right tool for the right job or whatever, um, mm. quite a bit, but that has no parameters. Right. <laughs> I, I like had a client who you know, 
kind of had a WordPress and then it just grew and grew and grew membership platform, kind of education platform, kind of all shoehorned and stuffed in this thing. It's like good, but, or it was working, it's making money, but it's just like insufficient for their needs. Like it has gotten to a point as it's way unmanageable. They got like version locked on Stripe by the the payment plugin they were using and stuff like that, which is no longer supported. It's a, and so they can't payments tied to the So like they need to switch something up. They need to change it. You know, I think like, you know, it's easy to say like grass is greener. Like, Oh, if I just switched to this framework, my whole life would be better. Um, I think you should try it, but again, try it on your own stuff, like your own time before you like promise the world, like, Hey, we can do everything better, faster in Gatsby. Like you got to like kind of have some assurance on that and some skill chops before you do that. Um, cause I, I know those people are probably worried about, you know, <laughs> how, how fast you can do it, get them done and stuff like that. So, um, so maybe you just pitch for a very small site uh, next time I would like to try this and it's going oh, to whatever go. reduce overhead. And, you know, we won't have those problems. You list all the problems you had with WordPress, like the white screens, mm-hmm. the like, whatever it won't have those problems. Just say that, just try that, you know, and maybe they can still use WordPress and keep doing it how they do it. And you're just using that GraphQL endpoint right. or something like that. Right. That works. You could also, you know, take a horizontal move and go to something kind of, you know, cleaner, better user experience, like craft kind of move one step over, you know, just, or it's just different, you know, like, I don't know. Craft has a bit more of an enterprisey vibe just from like what you can do with it. So. Yeah. 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 I do. So. I definitely like that. I see, I see so well why craft clicks with so many people. I shouldn't say that. Cause I feel like I'm not, not not that in your brains but the part that i i th- maybe cl- clicks i ho- hope i'm right is that it, it basically asks you to model your data up front that you're like mm-hmm. what kind yeah. of site am i building what kind of like pages do i need what kind of data is on those pages you model that up and then when you're done doing that i can imagine it being so satisfying being like i have the cms now that almost feels custom built to the type of content that's going to be on this site I don't know if that's the top selling feature, but that I can see that feeling very appealing to people that yeah. build sites in I that mean, way. It's the classic like WordPress, like everything is a post <laughs> problem, yeah. you know, like everything's in the post table. So like if you want to find one post, you have to go through 17,000 different post types or whatever. Yeah. So like yep. every single thing has its own table and that's a, that's a strong sure. thing. So. Yeah, yeah. I and mean, WordPress knows this, and I think they've pointed at themselves sometimes. They're like, if that's not, if that, if somehow that database model is totally untenable for you, then we're then that's the case that WordPress isn't right. But you know, c- careful in throwing that stone before you really know that, right? Like how in, in, how often have I found the database structure of WordPress particularly limiting in my career? Like never ish. So, but right, that, I'm, right. I'm a front end guy, so there's that. But you know, it's it's like. And and I think WordPress knows like the down to the millisecond, the performance of a 1 million table of MySQL, like a 1 million row table of MySQL, like they know that stuff. And so like they would change it if it was actually a ginormous bottleneck for them. It's just from a developer perspective, you're like, oh, it's weird. Like I have to like, Mm -hmm. I basically make this weird rule tree in advanced custom fields just to get the job done as opposed to like coding up a second model you know exactly i'm hacking the first model 
and as opposed to just making a new model. True. So. God, we go off on tangents, don't we? I love that. That was good. <laughs> so that question was about grocery shopping. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Trader Joe's versus uh, Safeway. And uh, I think we covered it. So. This episode is brought to you in part by me, your Shop Talk Show editor, Chris Ends. Rather than me telling you all about what I do and how I can save you time editing your podcast, I thought I'd let my clients talk about the thing they most enjoy being able to do since they hired me to edit their podcasts. All right, Chris, how are you, sir? Uh, Notice that there's sound effect to start and a sound bite from my guest. So uh, we'll pause for that. Three, two, one. This is going to be a tough one for you, Chris. And sorry about that. Do what you can. Okay, I'm going to dive into web components. I just think it's, it's a good sign. We'll let that pass and we'll edit this out. Um, oh, oh, that's my dog. I apologize. We'll yeah. Fix that in post. <laughs> Doggy thinks CSS three should be a thing. Anyway, now he's know. big into CSS four. It's just the way it is. But you sound good, Dave. I wouldn't worry about it too much. Plus, we have the masterful Chris Ends on audio engineering. I flew him down from Canada to sit by me in a, on a mixer. He's working a mixer live right now. And uh, oh man, Chris just. Erase that last part. <laughs> you know, Chris edits this thing too, right? He does. So he's got a heavy hand with his edits. He makes us sound really smart. Chris, let me just find this word. Sorry, Chris. Yeah. Right. Chris is our uh, our editor. Whenever we're like just like frustrated with something, we just blame Chris for it. Perfect. It's just like our imagination. It's imagination. Yeah, blame Chris. That's good. <laughs> I'm so sorry, Chris. We love you. <laughs> Chris, we're going to now have to make this uh, <laughs> an explicit episode. Chris, have fun with this episode. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Chris is so good at editing and it just made, doesn't, doesn't make sense for me to do it. Yeah, we'll just send it to him. But if you have any moments too where you're like, oops, I just misspoke, you can always just say like, Chris. Okay. <laughs> Please, Chris. Okay. Please, Chris, help us. Our editor will figure it out. I will tell Christopher Enns, our sound guy, to take this out. Nope, that's not the way it worked. Um, <laughs> Chris, will you go back to David and edit that part out? I'm going to start over. Yeah. Am I pink or are yeah. you pink? You're, you're, oh. you're pink. I totally <laughs> that all up, didn't I? Doesn't matter. That's why we have Chris. My bad, Chris. Sorry about that. Yep. Sorry. You'll have to cut this out, Chris. Delete everything we just said, Chris. Thanks, Chris. You're cool. Bye. So whether you've got a weekly show that you want help with or you want to do a 10-episode run of an idea you've got, get in touch with me, Chris Ends, at lemonproductions.ca. And be sure to mention hearing this ad on Shop Talk Show for 50% off your first episode. Here's two kinds of hiring that I'll throw at you. Let's say you're out there, you know, and you want to build a shed in your backyard. Do you build Got a it. company Done. that yeah. do you build a company that specializes in building sheds or do you hire a company that specializes they're just good builders overall and they can build I hire anything? the company that specializes in sheds. <laughs> 100%. Right? So if yeah. you want to, you know, if you kind of know you need a WordPress site, do you go to the WordPress shop or do you go to the the craft shop that, or if you're building a craft shop, you know, whatever, or do you just build, do, do you just hire a generic agency? And I feel like that might be poignant for you because I think of Paravel as being like hireable for large scale projects, but own, but the tech is almost irrelevant. Like I've seen you get dragged into some pretty unfamiliar, weird tech and you don't mandate what that tech is generally. Don't mandate that. Yeah. So, I mean, I've used Java, Chris. Yeah. I don't know, man. So, yeah. uh, and .NET. Like, like 
when I made the Microsoft website in 2012, they sent me a laptop or I, we bought a laptop at Best Buy (laughs) and then they sent me like a key card reader that I had to plug in. Mm -hmm. And then I downloaded visual, I authenticated in with the badge card, like a plug-in card. And then, uh, they like, uh, gave me visual studio and I had to like compile.net like XML crud to make their website. And so it was just like, this is so foreign to me, but like I can see where my templating language fits in here. And so I was able to do it and like whatever hit an endpoint to get whatever data I needed. You know, I could figure that out, but it was, you know, same with Java. Java is kind of the same thing unless like until you realize, Oh, it's broken. Then you need somebody who actually knows Java. But so, but yeah, I, I don't get to choose the, the platform really. So that's weird. And so does that make you, cause I think you're an incredibly strong developer. Does that, fact that you've had to touch so many different technologies make you stronger and that you've seen so much stuff or, or let, you know, you used to be kind of a rails guy. You probably still are to some degree. Like I love rails and don't use it, but yeah, like sure. But let's say you did nothing but rails for all these years since you were a rails guy, your knowledge of how that framework worked would be, I think is fair to say a lot stronger. Like, yeah. what does that make you? Then then if I had a Rails problem, you're sure as hell I'm going to come to Dave because you're an absolute expert in it. Or is that not fair? Should I come to you anyway because you've seen so much other stuff out there that you could diagnose whatever my Rails problem was because you just know how computers work, you know? I, I'm more full stack in the sense of, like, I understand how the computers work and I can know how the HTML works good, you know, if that makes sense. Um uh, I understand kind of just general computing principles, but, and, and I'm have a broad exposure to a lot of those, but I do think there's like a generalist thing. Like Dave Rupert does not have a lot of single page apps out, like, you know, out in public, I've built quite a few, but I don't have a lot out in public. Um, and you know, part of that is just the, like the, the pr- curse of being a generalist. You know, I don't just sit there. My react chops are like nothing because I don't just sit there and work on a react project every day. Right. You know, I mean, right now, like literally I have two Nuxt projects and an 11 site and a, yeah, I think. And then like a big design system that was being in like integrated into a Java framework. Those were like the three, four projects I've like worked on this year. So yeah, it's, it's wild. It's just different. So I think there's what I was pointing at is some like almost interesting disconnect between if I'm hiring a shop or a person to do some very specific work, I kind of want the specialist. But if I'm the person hiring for my company, I might prefer a developer with more broad experience that's seen more then they said like, oh, I, you know, I worked on this one design system for 15 years or something. That's all I know. Yeah. I have no other experience besides that. That's almost like a weakness or something. So there's some disconnect there. I don't know what to say about it. You know, we were building a, I don't know how much I can say about this. Let's just try. Uh, we were building a progressive web app for Windows Insiders, like, and, um, you know, projects kind of come and go a lot, you know, but we brought in a specialist, Eduardo, uh, I forget, San Martin Marot, uh, who is on the Vue core team to kind of help us with like this next project and just make sure we had a good setup. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was 
like very helpful to us just cause it was like, okay, we have this and a couple other irons in the fire, but at least we have like an expert, like a specialist on this project. Sure. So like that helped, you know, like having yeah. a specialist is, is pretty, I don't know. It, it's like the, like an insurance policy is probably the wrong word, but just, it's, it's like a, a, well, at least we know there's like a certain quality, you know? So if yeah, yeah. the generalist comes through me in this situation and coughs up code barf, he can say, oh, there's a better way to do that or something like that. So yeah, I think yeah. that's that's maybe where, for me, like specialists and generalists work together. So yeah, that's nice. I'd say we, you know, it's not like super common, but we do it at CodePen pretty regularly, hire somebody as a contractor to even do what you're doing. Just like, can you just like look this over how we doing? you know? Yeah. Did you, did you see any like obvious foot guns here or anything weird? And we just did it with a uh, elastic search specialist. Really? Cause yeah. you know, I don't know. It's like, we know it, but like how well, you know, nothing, not you, nothing. You did it. You got it up, but like yeah. it's, you now know, Oh, it's like persnickety enough. Somebody can put 15 minutes at it or what, you know, 15 days or whatever. And it's yeah, look way at some different. logs and be like, this so. one's overworked. Why didn't you just split it into two little ones? And you'll be like, and cause like, I had no idea that that's a thing. <laughs> yeah. Uh, you, you might be surprised, but I don't look at logs. Elastic yeah. logs every day <laughs> and, uh, yeah. may come as a surprise. Yeah. There's, I just, I love, I mean, and there was, a, we were working with a company and, um, you know, we were, I was doing charts, charts and graphs, chart JS, building charts and graphs. Um, and it's like a big thing, but it, you know, it was like, I'm doing an okay job, but like, if you're going to be a charts and graphs company, like, and these are super important, we could spend a lot more time on this. Like we could specialize in this, like we could chuck more hours at this if you want to be a charts and graphs company, which maybe they did, you know, but like, I think that's like the, the sort of critical part is like, what kind of company are you trying to actually be? You know, like, like, do you need, we're, you know, Paravel, are we a Nux shop? Are we a view shop now? We kind of are like, we, we have enough stuff. So we might need like a view specialist at some point just because like, we're starting to do this work more seriously. So Let's circle to the social images thing because I promised we would. We talked about it in a previous episode, the idea being that, like, you know, those little images that show up when you tweet something or share it on Facebook or even, you know, I see them in Slack or when somebody iMessages me, you know, they unfurl a lot to have that image in place. Massively important, you know, just so many people see it compared to any other image like it might as well be awesome you know it might as well look great and really compel people to not to mention that it turns the click target of your link into about a hundred times what it was before they're kind of a big <laughs> yeah. deal do you remember like back in the day <laughs> pre uh web times where like you'd work in a shop and marketing was sending like mailers to people like postcards of stuff you know like you'd send postcards to people and they would open it up and call you on the telephone, you know, like that mm. was hooked up to their wall. That's how it used to work. And these things are like that. Now it, it's, they were ubiquitous. You know, these things are, this is your like, Hey, visit my website postcard. 
I, mm-hmm. it might as mm-hmm. like say like welcome to Texas or whatever and have like a yeah, <laughs> blue bonnets yeah. in the background. Cause like, it's just that much of a, just a critical piece of your website. I, critical, I critical. And is it important for your podcast landing page? Yeah. We should probably get on that. Is it important for your blog? Is it important for your video game landing page? Is it important yeah. for Every kind of website holotype there is. Yeah, that's the uh, another interesting part about this is it isn't just like for some subsection of websites. It's like kind of everybody should think about this, which is why it's cool. Anyway, we've already talked about this in an episode and talked about dynamically building them because that's such a big deal, too. Websites are often, you know at different have lots of URLs and the different URLs should probably have different social media images. You know, one blog post to the next on davidrupert.com deserves a different social icon. If it's just a conference, maybe you just have one. If it's a video game landing page, maybe you just hand build the one. But if you're GitHub, for example, I think people have probably been seeing these. GitHub has new dynamically generated ones that are really nice, that are dependent on if it's an issue or it's the homepage of the repo or if it's a pull request or whatever it is. They're dynamically generated. And like, how are people doing that? You know, GitHub does it because, I don't know, they're a huge, they have unlimited developers and resources so i you know say i don't even care how they do it you know like yeah in theory i'm sure there's one person on that job the details on how they did it you know is like oh well we have eight thousand github actions i automatically write you know it's like yeah yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. stop i don't care (laughs) but like how does old dave rupert do it that's what i want to know so right 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 and 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 there's there's ways you know people have been writing about this forever they have lots of links but since we talked about it, there's uh, two you get two or three emails from people like oh you got me thinking about this look at look at how i did it you know there's an, an it's interesting connection between last week's episode too where we talked to phil and jason about on-demand builders at netlify now what one of the ways that's compelling to me about templating these type of images is that you can do it. Like, wouldn't it be cool if you could do it in HTML and CSS, like lay out the card and then that card becomes the social media image. Now you can't link to a .html file in the meta tag. It's not going to render. It's gotta be a JPEG or a PNG pretty much. I don't even think you can do WebP. You definitely can't do SVG. You just got to do some about it. Yeah, you got to do an old school image format. But guess what? You can turn HTML into PNG as long as you basically have a node server. There's probably other types of servers that can do it, but node is just extra easy at doing it uh, for, you know, because Puppeteer, but there's even other libraries that, that can do it, you know, draw it to a canvas and then pull it off. And, you know, there's always little tactics, you know? Totally. Here's one by Simone Griggs. This predates our conversation, but it was kind of cool the way they did it in Gatsby. Gatsby has like a Gatsby-node file, and they have a special um, URL, and the URL, you know, has the template and and kind of does the trick. The post is very, like, Tailwind-specific, which is kind of irrelevant to what's going on, but, you know, so be it. Uh, that's cool. I like the the, the Netlify on demand builders is particularly interesting because those can run Puppeteer, and it means that they're not part of your build process. You don't have this, you know, you have ten thousand blog posts on your site or whatever. I mean, that would be a lot of blog posts. So you have two hundred. That's still going to take time to build every one of them. The Netlify way then would be that you don't. You just don't build them. You just let the route to that social media image 
be on demand and it just gets mm-hmm. built when it gets built. It'd be almost cooler. It's they almost deserve more longevity than that. But, you know, I mean, I hate to push and break every one of your social images, but hey, so be it. Well, I think this is like the like get her done approach. You know, you're like, you're a little bit dynamic. Oops. If I made a mistake, I can just upload some, a new script and it'll get rebuilt eventually. So yeah, good enough. And it's better than in your build process. So there's that. So uh, it was a uh, Lee Reem Snyder here wrote one specifically about puppeteer and Nellify and on-demand builders. So we'll put that in the show notes for sure. That's a, it was so cool that they just were like, ah, that should work and wired it up between last mm-hmm. week's episode and today. So that's cool. And there's so many other things that do this, but they tend to be centered around, you know, I have a build process locally and in the cloud, and I'm going to u- utilize that build process, whether it's, C, you know, Travis CI or GitHub Actions or whatever it is to, to build these images during that, or I have access to a cloud function and I'm going to build it during that. Um or something, you know, so there's a couple other approaches and other approaches like use some third party service that gives you a URL for them. And then it's, you know, a matter of like getting the URL right or like hitting their API in the correct way to generate these things. I think it's kind of a little, it's not uncharted territory. It looks like there's a couple of startups and people working in that, that kind of direction, but it's like, are they, I don't know. I've definitely seen some of these that's just like log into the app, Build your social media card and then download it. <laughs> and you're like, well, that's nice, but that doesn't help me at the last mile, like at all. Yeah. Yeah. Like I, I want, that's the, that's the part I have trouble with. Like, like the getting it into my project and uploading it and maintaining it and referencing the URL and stuff like that. Like yeah. I want that automatic, you know? Right. Right. And so it seemed to me that like big CMSs should absolutely have this. I mean, if you're Drupal and Joomla and WordPress and craft and stuff, shouldn't this be like, it feels like almost like they're they're behind that. This is like Mm -hmm. table stakes stuff for a big CMS to have. And they don't. Yeah. But the problem is it's a little hard because you don't with these CMSs are traditionally PHP, not node. Node makes this easy. PHP does not make this easy. So anyway, I got one up on CSS Tricks. It's pretty neat. It uses PHP, literally the raw language PHP to create, wow. to craft these images. You're using like image magic? To no, like not even crunching? image magic. No? Image magic would be a luxury, I think, in this case. <laughs> this is... <laughs> <laughs> And this is not my work. It's, you know, Daniel Post from who put this stuff together. I'll be a link to that too. But it, it, PHP has this internal API called GD. I don't even okay. know what it stands for, but it's kind of like canvasy looking instructions, like move to these coordinates, draw text with this font here and stuff. But it's full featured enough that you can do pretty make cool a, stuff. Make a design. The, but what, cool. what what leads to me is like that's neat, good job. But I almost want to like use a service or something. I'd like only because I want to maintain what these look like, and I want to build them myself with HTML and CSS. I don't want to learn GD to make a freaking social media card. How cool would it be if your WordPress theme came with like a social media card template too, or exactly like an, an array of options too, that. right? Like. Just in a WordPress so. theme right next to your single.php is like social-card.php and you just 
that's where you template it out. You say the title plugin that gives you 40 options. And then right. you go that one hipster. I'm choosing hipster. Yeah, that one. You could even pick so. on a per post basis variations of it or something. And that's pretty close to what Daniel has done with with this social or I'll link it up. Socialimagegenerator.com. It's specifically for WordPress. There's a bunch of templates, but again all the templates are GD. So if you want to if you're like this one is close, but I want to like move this over here, it's like no, you can't. You can, mm-hmm. you just have to code one up yourself because you know because i got involved with this because i wanted it but i already had a design in mind and so daniel helped right, me right, right. code up my design which you can just do as a filter in wordpress it's fine it's just i look at that code and i'm like i get what's happening here but i'm not going to maintain this this is either just yeah. going to work or i'm going to rip it out because my thought too is like it might be cool if you could like do SVG and pass like parameters to an SVG oh, or something. Yeah, and buddy. Then, like, yes. Like, and then snapshot that like canvas or SVG right. to PNG or SVG to canvas to PNG, I guess it'd be. Yeah. But there's like, even libraries that are just SVG to PNG and they don't require all of Puppeteer to do their thing. See, that might be yeah. kind of cool, right? Like right. Just. Anyway, that would be kind of a neat, like... What I like about SVG is that it's it asks you to be more composed about what you're doing. It's like, make the overall size of this thing X by Y. Mm-hmm. And then, because that's what social media cards are anyway. You don't have control over the size of them. They say, make them this size, please. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And then, so you do that in SVG, and then you place things on the SVG that, so you, you're already in the right mindset of like, this isn't an HTML document where things just flowy, flowy everywhere. Yeah, there's like text anchor bottom to just like, even just stuff there that you already yeah. have. The, yeah, SVG would be cool. And the my dream too would be like, can I just spit out a page with all my posts and all my little cards, like just to get like a, 10,000 foot view of how I'm doing on the social branding front, you know? Right. Like, and then hot swap my custom ones in there too, to be like, that's a really special one. So that would yeah, be cool. Exactly. Yeah. You need some kind of override too, don't you? Cause you're like this, that, that would be Dave Rupert's like yeah. picky choice. Just like I, if I want to establish a vibe, like that would be, it'd be cool to be able to do that. But, but yeah, no, no, cool. this has me thinking, there's, there's so much to it. It also gets in, you know, there's like GitHub stories and stuff like that, or it's not GitHub stories, like, like Instagram stories and stuff, a different, like kind of portrait format too. Like, wouldn't that be cool? Like you just, while you're doing that, you just created the, the, the story card and now you just tweet it out or what, you know, like that would be cool. Why not? That should be more free. I don't know. Right. Yes. All right. Well, do you got any other any, any other thoughts for this week? Here? No, no more zingers here. I, I, I've been busy, so sorry if I've been uh, quiet in the socials and the blog and the d- 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 Discord. But you know, I'm getting oh, through yeah. it, season. But we're we're getting through this season here. So, yes, yeah. sir. Dave mentioned the Discord. That's uh, that is a thing that we have. The access to it comes via patreon so go to the website there's a patreon you sign up for the patreon and then you get into the discord that's how it works uh we do have a couple of uh, scholarships left i think right mm-hmm. yeah so and just then dm dave on twitter and 
you want to. And there's a lot of uh, uh, fun going on uh, there. It has split into factions. Uh, there's Team Chris and Team Dave. So you have to you do have to pick a side Whoa. upon joining. It's so just really surprising defectors from Team Chris. Yeah. I have to say. Yeah, we'll see. We'll see. Uh, but it, it's just, man, it's a war zone. It's a literal war zone. No, not really. Anyway. All right. Well, that's should wrap it up. Thank you, dear listener, for downloading this in your podcast. Your choice. Be sure to start her favorite up. That's how people find out about the show. Follow us on Twitter at Shop Talk Show. Tens of tweets a month. And join the Discord, patreon.com slash Shop Talk Show. And, and we'd love to have you. So, Chris, you got anything else you'd like to say? Whoa, ShopTalkShow.com.